What's up, cyber and crypto friends? Hope everybody's having a great week. Today is Friday, July the 19th of 2019. This is episode 79 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. Man, there's been some crazy stuff happening recently. Of course, all the big news with the big face app privacy concerns. We'll talk about that. Uh, that's that's pretty much been the biggest story over the last few days. Facebook, we're also going to talk about them and, and uh, the fine that they got. Also saw some cool articles on basically some headwear to defeat uh, facial recognition stuff. So we'll talk about that. I got a few uh, vulnerabilities that have come out recently, um, some to do with Zoom and another one's called Evil Gnome, so we'll talk about those as well. There's another article too that was, I just kind of found it interesting more than anything. Uh, it was about a an IT security salesman that told this reporter that their software doesn't work and what their reasoning was behind that, so we'll get into that as well. going to talk a little bit about Slack as well, and I found a cool uh, couple of cool tools out there on kitploit.com. If you're not familiar with that site, highly recommend it. It's K-I-T-P-L-O-I-T.com. All kinds of cool stuff. So I found a couple out there. I'm going to go over a little bit as well. Talk uh, briefly about Sprint and Samsung. And then yet another database leak from a Mongo database. And that's all on the cybersecurity side of things. So there's quite a bit there. On the crypto side, we're obviously going to talk about prices and how that's going. Also going to talk about Bitpoint Exchange and what happened with them. Zcash, the ever-famous Zcash, is going to make some big changes here coming up. So we'll talk about that. BitMEX, the exchange that I told you about last episode, is now under investigation. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well and, and go into all the details there. And then, of course, the story that never ends, Facebook, Libra, Crypto. All right, so there's a lot to get to, a lot of different topics. So I'm going to start in cybersecurity and uh, I'm going to start first with the, the Facebook data privacy fine that the Federal Trade Commission announced the other day. Uh, basically, all because of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, they got fined a record $5 billion. <laughs> wow, that's a bunch of money. Facebook, of course, can can pay this, but that's that's got to hurt. I mean, that's, oh man, $5 billion. Even as big as Facebook is, this still has to hurt. I mean, that is a huge fine. Uh, apparently, Facebook had already put aside $3 billion to be ready for this. and So that's only a couple more billion, you know, no big deal. Oh, man. So I guess I'm, I'm happy to see that, that the FTC did this to them. And that was certainly a big issue. But it also makes me wonder how much more are we going to find them for all of the other privacy issues that have been uncovered? Is there going to be more fines, more investigations, or was this just because of Cambridge Analytica because that was such a big issue at the time? So there's a lot of other privacy issues going on there. So hopefully that trend will continue and also motivate companies like Facebook to stop with all the privacy stuff that they do and, and invading our privacy and and start giving some of that privacy back to the public. But anyway, I thought that was crazy. Five billion. It's got to hurt. I wish I had uh, just 1% of that. That'd be great. All right, I got this other uh, news article. I guess it's not really a news article any anyway, but I saw an article the other day about uh, a reporter that talked to an IT security salesman 
Um, he basically sells IT security software. And he told this reporter that the software doesn't work. And I, it, it kind of caught my attention because I wondered why a, a salesman would say that about his, the thing he's trying to sell. Um, in the end, kind of long story short, he basically said, we're always one step behind the hackers. And so the, fa- the software doesn't really work. So I guess I'm, I'm not really sure I agree with that 100%. It works for all the script kitties because all the real hackers are out there creating all these exploits, but they, a lot of times they publish it online. They publish it on GitHub, whatever it is, or on kitploit.com. I mean, there's all kinds of places where you can go get these exploits that are written, and then the script kitties go out there and get all those and, and start firing them off everywhere. So yes, it does still work. Of course, zero-day attacks are always going to be the anomaly. And yeah, that's it's not always going to stop that. Of course not. But <laughs> they didn't say what company this guy was from, unfortunately. But uh, it's certainly interesting to get that perspective from a salesperson there. And to see them saying that about something that they sell is just really, really odd. And At least in my opinion. I don't think that that's an opinion that he should have. Um, it does work. It just doesn't stop zero-day threats, of course. Anyway, in the article, they go on to say that the, the salesman was, you know, pretty matter-of-fact about it. It wasn't that he was being arrogant. He was just like, yeah, that's just the way it is. And I don't know. I thought, <laughs> thought that was kind of weird more than anything. And the fact that this reporter was able to publish this article on it without naming any names, I thought was kind of interesting as well. I'll post it in the show notes, but I'd be curious to get other people's take on that uh, to see if, you know, hey, if you're just pissing away money for no reason on cybersecurity or if, you know, you should just buy nothing and, and see what happens and hope that you don't get hacked or spend at least, you know, a good chunk of money to protect what you can and, and hope that you don't have a breach. I guess I'd like to know which one is more likely. If you have zero security, are you more or less likely to get hacked than somebody that had, you know, at least some of the fancy security tools? They don't have to have everything, but at least they've got something. Who's more likely to get hacked out of those two? That'd be my my question there. I don't have any study numbers, of course, on any of that, but certainly thought-provoking in general. All right, some other uh, cool news here. There's some sunglasses out that um, was really, really cool. So this will kind of spin off into the Face app topic a little bit as well. But the sunglasses are essentially, they are a, they call them IR pair and Phantom they're uh, powerful anti-facial recognition glasses. So this is pretty slick. If you if you read the article, it goes into all of the details about what they're doing. Um, so this pretty pretty cool stuff here. I, I'm uh, I'm hoping more of this kind of thing comes out, especially with all this facial recognition stuff going on and the the huge invasions of privacy from you know, not only law enforcement, but now apparently fast food chains are going to start having license plate readers and, you know, facial recognition technology in the McDonald's that you go to, for example, so that they can have your order ready. I'm not sure how I feel about that still. I mean, yeah, great. I get my food faster, but... Is it really worth them storing all that information on somebody? I mean, license plates are a totally different subject, but, you know, getting somebody's facial features and storing that in a database. And this is also another reason why I don't like Facebook's uh, face ID to unlock your phone. With all this facial recognition stuff happening right now, who's to say that somebody couldn't create a 3D printed model of your face and, and fake your phone and be able to unlock your phone? I'm sure it's doable at this point. 
But anyway, these glasses apparently block all of that, and uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, I am super stoked about this kind of technology, and I am glad that that somebody's doing something about this. So if you haven't seen this already, check it out. I'll post it in the show notes. And I highly recommend buying these as soon as you can. I don't know when they're going to be out. The article doesn't say when they're actually going to be released, at least not that I've found so far. Uh, Apparently it's still in like a Kickstarter mode. So man, when something like that comes out, I am all about it because that's that's kind of where the world's going now, unfortunately. So cool stuff there. All right. So leading from that into the Face app, and I'm sure if you haven't heard this by now, then I'd be surprised. But apparently there was a big Face app challenge that was going around on Facebook and wherever else, Twitter. I saw it on Twitter as well, where basically you download this app and it takes you... You send it a picture of yourself, either via upload or via your camera, of your face, and then it makes you either look younger or older. Great, right? That's great fun. I want to see what I look like when I'm old. Well, so what all these millions of people didn't realize that they were doing was that the company that created this face app is a Russian-based company. As soon as that information came out, now the tables have turned. Everybody's now like, oh my god, that was an invasion of privacy and blah, blah, blah. What did you think was happening with with your face? I mean, you're sending them a picture of your face and it's going to some server somewhere. Yeah, it could have gone to anywhere. Um, So using all these these now uh, faces that they've got, they can create fake IDs for all these people. They can they can do all kinds of things, right? Passports, whatever it is, doesn't matter. The point of the, the matter is that these things happen constantly. Facebook has been doing this for a long time. All right. They're the the leader in this. But now that a Russian based company has done this. Now everybody's up in arms. I just think that that's, I think it's funny more than anything that people are upset about the Russians doing it, but it's okay if Facebook does it. Nah, it's fine. We, we, we give them all of our pictures. Instagram, yeah, it's cool. No big deal. But the same thing's happening there with Facebook and Instagram, if you think about it. Anyway, it just goes to show the, the kind of world that we're living in and, and where it's getting to with privacy. And that's why folks are making these, you know, privacy sunglasses, for example, to to fake out this technology that's doing all the facial recognition stuff. So anyway, if you've done the face app challenge, I'm sorry, but now your face and your picture will be used in who knows what uh, potentially could be used in creating some fake identities and, you know, even some fake online identities. You know, all those fake Facebook accounts that get created all the time. They could use a lot of these pictures, right? So... Anyway, if you've already signed up for it and done it, then shame on you. But hopefully people will realize now how the, how bad this is. There's even a senator that came out with this big, long video about, you know, warning everybody about it and blah, blah, blah. It's too late. I mean, it's too late now, but uh, it's it's just unfortunate more than anything. All right, moving on. The There's a big Linux uh, backdoor now. It's called Evil Gnome. And the backdoor spies on Linux desktop users. So it's essentially just spyware. But we don't typically see a whole lot of, of Linux malware or, or spyware. Uh, there has been a lot more here recently. Uh, but typically it's been Windows is obviously leading the market in, in malware. But Mac has been on the list a few times. And, and Linux is certainly coming up in those ranks as well. So Evil Gnome is a new one that's out. So... Be careful with that. They're saying that this evil gnome uh, spyware is, at least what they think, it's connected to a Russian hacking group uh, called 
Gamera Geddon is what it looks like, if I'm saying that right. Uh, Gamma Redden, excuse me. There we go. I'm really good at pronouncing things in case you haven't noticed. Uh, but anyway, Evil Gnome, I'll post this in the show notes if you want to look more about that. It goes over all the different things that it looks at on your system if you do get infected with this. So, all right, some other news here. Zoom, I guess it's been, uh, I don't know, a few weeks now since Zoom came out and released information that they had a big vulnerability with their software and blah, 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 and everybody was to update their Zoom software. Zoom is a meeting tool, sort of like GoToMeeting, if you're not familiar with it. And of course, there's all these other white-labeled brands of Zoom out there. One in particular is called Ring Central. That's probably one of the other biggest ones out there. Uh, but there's probably a list of six or eight more here. Zoomu, Telus Meetings, BT Cloud Phone Meetings, Office Suite HD Meetings, AT&T Video Meetings, BizConf, U Meeting, and Zoom CN. So all of those spinoffs of Zoom are also vulnerable to this same hack. So that's always something to keep in mind too when one of these software vendors comes out with a and releases information about a vulnerability. And, and it's hard to find out who else is using it, who else is just white labeling somebody else's software. It's not always easy to find, but certainly something to, to keep in mind for future reference. If another vendor like this gets hacked, you can see, maybe look up and see what other vendors uh, might be using their software. So if you use any of those other ones, you, you also need to update to fix that vulnerability. All right, some other news here is Slack had a pretty big data breach. Apparently, the breach happened in 2015, and they recently became aware of the incident through its bug bounty program. Wow. 2015. That's uh, pretty crazy stuff there. That's a lot, a lot of information they could have stolen back then. Think about all the companies that use that for free. Oh, man, I can just, I can just imagine... Um, <laughs> The possibilities are endless for all the things that they could have gotten, but apparently they've they were primarily looking for usernames, email addresses, and encrypted passwords. Of course, that's what they want to do. They want to get all the money that they can from you, essentially, and and to do that, they got to get your password to get into your bank account. So anyway, these guys got all those usernames, passwords. They got to crack the passwords, obviously. But I mean, imagine the. The number of people using that for free. I mean, even the paid users, you know, you can't you can't rule them out either. But so they're going through and resetting passwords for all these people. Um, they were saying it was it hit, basically hit a total of sixty five thousand people. They've obviously got millions of users worldwide. But to know that this happened in twenty fifteen is a little scary. But how many other breaches like this have already happened at other companies and they just don't know? I'm sure there's tons. In fact, I know there's tons. Um, if you go on any sort of hacking forums, you can find plenty of information that tells you that there's lots of other companies out there that have that have been breached and probably don't even know about it yet. All right, speaking of breaches, Sprint. If you use Sprint cell service, and uh, wow, this is interesting too because it, it's the Sprint customer data was breached via a Samsung website flaw. So that's kind of a, I guess it's like a third-party risk, which is always interesting to deal with. But a pretty big issue now for Sprint. They're having to 
release this information and tell all their customers what happened and why it happened and yada, yada, yada. So they were basically saying on June 22nd of this year, Sprint was informed of unauthorized access to uh, basically various Sprint accounts using your account credentials via the Samsung.com add-in line uh, website. So they basically have a banner, I, I presume, or something that feeds into the Sprint site via a frame of some sort. And that's how um, these this access was gained, essentially. So the personal information that could have been viewed, uh, phone number, device type, device ID, monthly recurring charges, account number, subscriber ID, uh, when the account was created, upgrade eligibility, first and last name, billing address, and add-on services. That's quite a bit. But if you think about that, that's... You know, it's not the end of the world, I guess, if they have all that information. Um, obviously, you'd rather them not, but phone numbers for people are all over the place. Addresses are as well. Uh, same with full names, first and last names. Those are out everywhere already. So did they really get anything else that's too concerning? Not really. Now, the company did come out and say that some of the PIN numbers, account PIN numbers, may have been compromised. But they've already changed all of those, and they changed those three days later on June the 25th. So pretty swift action by Sprint there to, to get that fixed. But Sprint's also saying, you know, watch out for your credit report, blah, 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 all that good stuff. So that's an interesting twist on some third-party risk there. You'd think that, um, you know, Samsung's a pretty reputable company, and so is Sprint, for that matter. And you just never know when stuff like this is going to happen. And continuing on that trend... There's, of course, yet another Mongo database that leaked 188 million users' data. <laughs> of course, man, those MongoDBs and Amazon buckets, they are just treasure troves out here, man. It's crazy. So, of course, this was found by another security researcher. So, you know, has this already been used by bad people? I don't know. But 188 million people is pretty big numbers there. So most of the information in the database belong to users from LexisNexis and Pipl, P-I-P-L. So LexisNexis is typically like a legal search engine, I want to say, for um, like computer-assisted legal research. Uh, I think they do a little bit with like risk management too, but I haven't really used LexisNexis very much. Uh, Pipl.com, on the other hand, is more of a... Uh, it's a people search engine, basically. So you can punch in somebody's name and their location, where you think their location is, and it'll pull up basically every person that it can find in its database. And the information that was in the, the Pipple database is first name, last name, aliases, email address, physical address, date of birth, uh, court and bankruptcy notes, phone number, social media profile links, political affiliations. That's interesting. Race, religion, skills, gender, employers, past and presence, automobiles, and property. Wow, that's uh, that's, that's pretty nasty there. Uh, looks like the LexisNexis information was, was just as bad as well. Names, past names, addresses, gender, parental status, a biography, short biography, family members, uh, redacted emails, uh, a person's neighbors, the neighbor's full names, neighbor's date of birth, neighbor's reputation, neighbor's credit score, and the neighbor's address. Wow, that is crazy info right there. So even your neighbor, <laughs> your neighbor's information could have been in this LexisNexis thing. Golly, pretty wild stuff there. But again, I'm not surprised. Here we go. Another unsecured MongoDB out there on the web. Just wide open. Here you go, everybody. Just take it. It's uh, 
It's pretty sad, unfortunately, but it's the world we live in, unfortunately. All right, so earlier I was talking about kitploit.com, K-I-T-P-L-O-I-T.com. It's got all kinds of very, very cool tools out there. And one in particular that I ran across the other day, just, I mean, there's there's so many. So this is just one that I've that I picked up on and um, I thought it was more than interesting. There's one to specifically brute force Gmail, Hotmail, Twitter, Facebook, and Netflix accounts that was created out here. I'll post it in the show notes if you want to look at it. But the fact that these things are out there is in and of itself scary because somebody could just sit here with, you know, a list of passwords and email addresses and just fire away. Of course, this software also proxies your your information, so you, you're hiding behind a proxy. And uh, man, all the stuff you could do with that is is really, really mind-blowing if you think about it. And what's funny is the fact that these could even happen, these these brute force attacks could even happen, is, is also what's interesting to me, because you would think that, especially big sites like Facebook, Twitter, wherever, you would think at least if somebody's logging in multiple times and failing from the same location that... Uh, it would stop the connection or whatever, but and maybe this maybe this software bounces around to different proxies, which I guess could be true as well. But certainly scary. You would think there'd be other algorithms though in Facebook and whoever else that if an account looks like it's being brute forced, it would just be locked and locked out for a little while. But anyway, lots and lots and lots of other stuff on that site to look at. Kitploit.com. That's just one of the nasty things that you can find on there. So go out there and look at that if you haven't already. But if you like to tinker around with that kind of stuff, there is plenty out there. All right, let's jump over to crypto. The price of Bitcoin is is doing decent. It's kind of been up and down over the last few days, of course, as always. And as of right now, we're sitting at $10,442 for one Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum's at 218, Bitcoin Cash is at 301. So we're up a little bit from the last couple days. We were floating in the 9,000s there uh, yesterday and the day before. So we did jump up into the 10,000s now. Who knows where it'll go next? <laughs> it's always changing, ever changing. Ripples way down to 31 cents. I mean, this was crazy numbers to look at. But everybody always says buy on the dip. So if you're into that, here's your chance to, to get it when it's cheap still. All right. So the cryptocurrency exchange called Bitpoint, uh, they're based in Japan. They had about 50,000 users who lost funds in a, in a recent hack. Uh, the company did come out and say that they were going to reimburse all of those people uh, with cryptocurrency. So at least they're paying it back. They're saying the total losses equate to about $4.6 million. So again, yet another crypto exchange getting hacked. And with all those crypto exchanges getting hacked, I guess I'm just more than more than anything, I'm happy people are getting paid back. But the fact that it happens at all is what's still really scary. All right, so if you've ever heard of the cryptocurrency called Zcash, well, there's been a lot of speculation about what Zcash is going to do. They've kind of come to the end of the road with the current Zcash platform. The rewards for developers and, and others have slowly been deteriorating to the point where nobody really wants to work on it anymore. So Zcash either needs to update their software and start allowing more of these perks to the developers, or guess what? They're going to fork. So it looks like they're going to fork into 
another crypto called Ycash, the letter Y and cash. So I, there's not a whole lot of other information about this other than the fact that they are going to fork Zcash. My presumption is that if you are holding Zcash now, when this fork happens, you should also be holding Ycash as well when that fork happens. So it's going to use the same mining algorithm um, as Zcash has. And they're also going to supposedly prohibit ASIC mining from happening on the Ycash network. So interesting stuff there for Zcash. It'll be interesting to see if it takes off at all. But hey, if you're holding on to some Zcash, hopefully you get a little bit of this Ycash as well. And you can decide whether or not to, to hold on to that or to, to sell it as well. But that's typically what happens when there's a crypto fork. It, like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, for example, when Bitcoin Cash came off of Bitcoin, if you were holding Bitcoin, then you got X amount of Bitcoin Cash. So very similar thing here. All right. So some other news here. The uh, exchange I told you about last week, BitMEX, uh, they're now apparently being probed by, I love how they use that word, probed, probed by the U.S. Commodities Futures Trading Commission. CFTC is there acronym. So what's interesting here is BitMEX is is nowhere in the US. They also don't allow US customers to use their their online tools for this, but apparently the CFTC doesn't really care. So essentially the CFTC is looking in to see whether or not the exchange has allowed US traders to use its platform. Well, I mean, come on. Of course you can if you use a VPN, it's extremely easy to use it. I mean, there's no there's no way that they can stop U.S. citizens from using it if they really, really wanted to. So anyway, their investigation is quote-unquote ongoing. So one of the other uh, issues that they're saying, when you use BitMEX, you can use uh, what they call leverage. And so if you, if you want to trade $10, for example, but you want to use two times the leverage, you can actually put in a bid of 20 um, but they're leveraging you that extra 10 bucks. So you're putting in 10, but really uh, putting in a bid for 20. So it's kind of interesting how that leverage piece works. And then when you sell, you're essentially making the, uh, the returns that you get on the amount of money you invested, uh, not really on the amount of money that you leveraged. So if I put in $10, but it, it leverages it to 20, for example, I'm still only getting the returns on my $10, not on the full $20. So there's there's still that. Um, but typically the bigger dollar amounts are allowed to be further up in the orders queue and things like that, uh, which makes it easier to get your order through right when you want it to, which is of course important for, for heavy traders. They want their orders to be at the top so they can you know, as soon as the market hits a certain number that it can automatically uh, be at the top of that list and get sold first. That way they can take advantage of it. So this will be interesting to see um, what comes out of this. They're, they're basically saying that, you know, it's putting customers at too much risk. If you're providing that much leverage, you can do up to 100 times leverage and that's just too much risk. <laughs> Everybody that uses BitMEX knows well that, <laughs> well, if you've ever logged into the site, at least, it tells you plain as day. Don't do X, Y, and Z. Otherwise, your account will be liquidated because you made a bad trade. You don't have to use 100 times leverage. Just knowing if you do, you'll be, you know, of course, that's an extremely risky trade and you could lose everything in your crypto trading account with them. So it's it's an interesting 
interesting concept, and I'll be curious to see what happens. Uh, they're based in, uh, let's see, where is this country? Oh, man, this is going to be horrible pronunciation. Sakilis, it looks like. I don't even know where that is, but it's definitely not in the U.S. Uh, anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how this, this plays out over the next few weeks, see if the CFTC can actually do anything. It's, there's certainly no jurisdiction over it. And Bitcoin is, of course, uh, nothing that is currently regulated anywhere. So, all right. And the final story of today, good old Libra. Uh, consumer advocates have recently been advocating for Libra members to quit Facebook crypto. Now, why would they just go ahead and quit? Because you told them to. I think these are funny when they do these, but sort of like those warnings. Oh, I saw another funny warning. Total side note here, but uh, coming from the whatever police department it was, but 5G and AI will be a huge threat in the future, warns whatever police department. That was actually on Twitter the other day. It made me laugh. I don't think I retweeted it, but anyway, uh, consumer advocacy groups basically are coming out and saying, hey, we don't want you guys to continue with this and you guys need to quit. I don't think that's going to make any of these guys quit. Um, but Libra's members, which, you know, they've got quite a few big name players. Uh, if you haven't already heard this, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Uber. I mean, that is that's a lot of people backing this currency. And there is still so much push pushback on this. And, oh, man, it's a never-ending story. But they've actually had a whole bunch of um, litigation that's already happened and yada, yada, yada. There's stories all over uh, Coindesk.com if you want to read into more of that and see what's going on. But they're basically calling uh, Libra. It's going to be a cartel and <laughs> all this crazy stuff. Of course, it's not going to be a, a cartel necessarily, but it is going to cause all kinds of waves if this actually does come to light and they're actually able to release this crypto it'll be it'll be scary to see how many people start using it and whether or not it causes financial instability in you know smaller foreign countries heck it may help smaller foreign countries i mean who knows right there's just no telling but as of right now the concerns are that it would you know potentially take down these smaller countries take down their financial systems because this would just basically take over. So that would give Facebook even that much more power over all these other countries now too. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to think about uh, with that. So be cautious when that, when that winter, if that does come out, be cautious. With it. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on this show. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.